Today on the show, my buddy Chris Cron stops by to talk making friends as adults, literally being big in Japan, and his time in the band Melee, plus so much more on episode 85 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff. My name is Nick Flora, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for listening. Uh... You guys, it's been a crazy week or so, a couple weeks maybe for me. Uh, as many of you know, uh, I went last week to Escape to the Lake, which is a under the radar event conference over the 4th of July, sort of a mini festival, really great time. I don't know what it is because it's many things, but um, there was no a new episode up last week because of that, because I was out of town, um, which is sad, I know, but I was there making more episodes for you to listen to, which is good, right? We did two live episodes which went over really great, and I can't wait to uh, edit those, put them together, put them up for you guys to listen to. And then uh, I did uh, a one-on-one with Justin McRoberts. Uh, he was on the live episode, too. So a double dip with uh, with McBob. So it's going to be great. I'm, I'm very excited for you guys to hear that, and they will, those will be coming in the coming weeks. Maybe if I can get one of the live episodes edited and all put together, I'll put them up this week as well. I'm releasing this a little bit late. It's a Saturday uh, today which it doesn't matter because it's the internet and time doesn't exist. But <clears throat> the day, if you were listening to this the day, it comes out. So maybe uh, next week there will be two episodes, one of them being a live episode. So uh, thank you guys for being patient uh, as I you know, went and did another thing other than being consistent and putting a podcast up. Uh, today's show is a really great one. It's actually sort of a Lost episode, not like the show Lost where – you know, a lot of stuff is mysterious and then doesn't make sense at the end. Um, like it's a lost episode is in, I recorded this episode with, with Chris Cron, uh, back in November. And for whatever reason, it sort of just kept getting put on the back burner. I think mostly because, uh, he was going to release a single and then a lot of things happened in his life, uh, from the time we recorded this and we don't make mention of one of the, one of the things is he had a kid, um, and he's, his, his life has sort of taken a bunch of di- little different directions, mainly due to that. But, um, anyway, so, uh, I've been sitting on this episode waiting for him to release some new music, uh, and whenever time he wanted to do that. And, uh, and it's happened and it's really great. He has a song called I'll stand, which you'll hear in the episode. Um, but if you want to go, uh, you can, you can, I will put a link on the blog. So if you want to go to who and, uh, and click the link, you can hear the song I st- I'll stand. And I'm not kidding you. I'm obsessed with this song. I love it. And it's not just because I love Chris, but it's so good. It's so well-written and so fun. It's a total like summertime drive down the road with your windows down, crank the song type of song. I love it. It's great. And uh, Chris is a phenomenal artist. He's a really great singer. And uh, I-, I just, I, I think the world of this dude, and, I, and I'm very excited to introduce him to a lot of you. He used to be in the band Melee. Um, they broke up, I, mean, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago. They're on Warner Brothers Records. Um, but I, I knew of their music years ago when they were making it. I actually saw Chris and his band Melee play, um, which we make mention of, uh, 11 years ago in 2003 in New York. Um, I guess it was 12 years ago now. But... Um, and that we don't, I don't know if we met, but he definitely, his band made an impression on me. And it was kind of a surreal moment when he sort of came back into my life, moved to Nashville. And we sort of like, Hey, I know you, he didn't know who I was, but <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we became friends. He actually sort of helped me when I bought all this new, uh, podcast gear, which you guys helped me buy, uh, back in the fall, he helped me sort of 
tech head it up and like <laughs> set it all up and make it sound good. So uh, really great guy. I'm excited for you guys to hear our chat. Uh, but before we get into that, I need to share with you guys what I learned this week. What I learned this week. What you learned. What I learned this week is uh, is really interesting. I, I I heard an interview with a guy and he was telling these stories. Uh, he's sort of a Looney Tunes aficionado, if that can be such a thing. And he was talking about back in the day, First off, I didn't realize that they haven't made a new Looney Tunes cartoon since like the 50s, which is crazy to me because you just see them. I guess they made so many of them, but okay. So here's the deal. So I think it was after an Oscar party, Jack Warner, who's one of the Warner Brothers, WB, um, went, he had an Oscar party sort of to celebrate all the people who had won Oscars that were in Warner Brothers films that year. And at this party was... Um, a couple of the guys, I think, I can't think of their names right now, but a couple of the guys from uh, the Warner Brothers animation department, um, and they got brought over to be introduced to Jack Warner by somebody else at the party, and they're like, these are the boys that are, you know, making the cartoons for us and everything, and he was like, Jack Warner turned around, you know, multi-millionaire at this point, <laughs> probably, uh, and he was he was like, oh, fantastic work, boys. You, I really enjoy, you know, your work, and every time I see Mickey Mouse around town, you know, or a Mickey Mouse cartoon of some sort, it just makes me excited about what we're doing, you know, and, and what we're putting out there, or whatever, and, and they were like, um... We don't make Mickey Mouse. That's Disney. We make uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and, you know, those guys. And the next day, the animation department was shut down and they were all fired. Um, isn't that crazy? That's an insane story. Um, mostly because Jack Warner didn't know that they didn't make Mickey Mouse. Like, how do you not know? Um, but supposedly that's a that's a true story. That's, that's not a, a sort of urban legend. And even if it isn't, a true story it's a hilarious one um but it is kind of mind-boggling that they they haven't made uh more of them you know and made it into the the digital age or whatever it's crazy um anyway if you want to go to the wikipedia page for for uh warner brothers and the and the whole sort of bugs bunny universe it's fascinating there's a bunch of like really cool trivia about stuff you had no idea about and how you know these guys are geniuses in a lot of ways but anyway that is what i learned this week what i learned this week what you learned if you would like to share with me what you learned this week, you can do so in a variety of ways. Mostly, uh, you can email me, who writes this stuff podcast at gmail.com or at who writes pod on Twitter uh, or the Facebook page, of course, who writes this stuff. Um, so I love, I love hearing what you guys uh, are up to and uh, what's popping in your brain. And I, it's so funny the, the little moments in your day where you're like, oh, I did not know that. Even, you know, into my 30s, I'm still sort of surprised by the things that, uh, you know, just uh, my brain never grasped onto or I never really thought about before. It's fun. So write me with anything, whether it's sad, silly, uh, funny, meaningful, whatever it is. If you learn something new, uh, tweet at me or message me and uh, I'll read it on the show and share it with everybody. Or if you just want me to know, you know, that's cool too. We can keep it between us. So Chris Cron. Okay. I love this guy. I'm very excited for you guys to hear us talk. It was really, really fun going back through and, and listening to this, uh, this episode because it happened so long ago. Um, well, you know, I, I guess it happened in November, so it's kind of crazy to, uh, I, I don't remember, I remember having this conversation, but it's crazy. Uh, I don't remember what we talked about. And then listening back, I was just like, I was delighted. I was like listening to a lost episode, like I said. So, uh, let's get to it. Here is episode 85 with my buddy, Chris Cron.
Carter by himself. Did he actually build that out as a spaceship? Dude, you yes. Have him well, show you house? the pictures. I saw the pictures on the <clears throat> on the website. Okay, the, behind Baja Burrito, there is a... Yeah, that studio. There's a studio, but, uh -huh. but next to that, there is like a warehouse. Um, the, the Rabbit Room's website, uh -huh. they, they, they like put out published books and stuff like that. They just mm -hmm. have like boxes of books and stuff. And he used that for free, built like a stu like a stage... Mm -hmm. Like a, it's almost like a like a, a set of a movie or a TV yeah. show, and then he made like built a he it looks like a inside of a spaceship yeah and then he and then he just like set up his little corner like set up all his gear and then just put on a freaking <clears throat> spacesuit and made a record it's so That's killer amazing it's so killer it's amazing when he told me I remember standing in line for lunch one day with him and him telling me that he was gonna he was like this is what I'm gonna do for my next record and I was like oh no you've lost your mind. <laughs> And then, and then now, like, because he was like, yeah, I just it's called Leonard, the lonely astronaut. I'm right. This this guy who gets lost in space. And I was like, I don't think this is like your crossover hit. That you want. Like, but when you this hear is, this when is you record hear it, twelve, like when once he started sending me like the demos and stuff like that, I was like, oh, this is really because a lot of it's told in flashback yeah. and like yeah. it's just we're learning how to. This guy who's trying to escape pain and mm -hmm. in relationships has found himself literally boxed in yeah. having to deal with all his issues. Okay. And, and now he's going to sing 12 songs about this guy's wow. issues. It's, it's a rock opera in some ways, in some way it's a, it's, I gotta, I gotta go back. And it is a to gorgeous it. record. I okay. love that album. Like awesome. Top 10 ever. Awesome. And not just cause I love the dude and I know him. Yeah. Like, cause I did, we both probably have friends that make music that were like, I'm just glad you're doing it. You're not really, you know, <laughs> Good, good job, buddy. Good effort. You know, <laughs> keep plugging away. Yep. Uh, Come on, slugger. Anyway. <laughs> all right, let's name all those people now on mic. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, Chris, you're the first. Uh, you're the first podcast on these new microphones because the last couple that I had banked away or whatever were with the old, the, the old stuff. So SM7B. That's right. You can get on in, and this is uh, and and it's appropriate because you helped me. You came over. I sent up the the signal flare, <laughs> and you came up and sort of helped me uh, troubleshoot some things. I came over on the what was the ship the Titanic uh, uh, survivors got on the USS the DiCaprio. I don't know the DiCaprio. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, is it his? If it wasn't in that movie, then I don't know what I'm it was. Sure. I don't know. I think it was the. I want to say the California. The Nina. But, the Pinta, Pinta and the Santa Maria. <laughs> and the, Santa Maria. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the fourth ship that I don't nobody know if that remembers. would be a boat that I would want to be on if Columbus's. No. Dirty, that's right. Dirty voyage to I know. The Isn't it insane the more <laughs> the longer like the older we get and the like the more so, like sullied like Columbus's like yeah, right? story is? I thought I heard on Facebook that people were making an anti Columbus Day. Yeah, or that, that doesn't or that me. they were calling it like Genocide Awareness Day. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, you know, because when we were kids, it was like Columbus was just like this. He was the hero. Yeah, he was trying to escape tyranny and oppression, yeah. and, and and all that you know, and knowing like everything we know now, it's like <laughs> we're, I don't know whether we're just becoming we're, we either, we have so much information at our fingertips, mm -hmm. or we're just more culturally sensitive about everything. Because if you really think about like. We turned a blind eye for a good couple hundred years about yeah. why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and even to this day when I'm, you know, driving through Oklahoma or something or drive through like a reservation, like my white guilt is just red oh, hot on right? fire. Just right? like, should I bring them like donuts or something? Like I feel so <laughs> what do I do? Like I feel 
yeah. you know, it is the weirdest thing that, that the older we get, like, you know, like just like Pluto not becoming a planet, like things that like, yeah, we're I becoming, we're becoming that. like old enough to things that were like finite are, are completely dissipating mm-hmm. right before our eyes. Yes. You know, like Columbus is a super bad guy, and I just bought that. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but um, Terrence Malick movie, The New World. Did you see that oh, from a few years no, ago? I haven't. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm recently retroactively sort of getting into Terrence Malick, and I remember seeing The Thin Red Line, and oh, he put yeah. out a movie a couple years ago mm-hmm. called The Tree of Life that I'm obsessed with. Oh, okay. Uh, for a few different reasons, and he did that. I was like, what else has he done? And he did that New World movie, and I, for some reason, I thought that was. Rid- Ridley Scott or somebody that oh, who's yeah. essentially like copy and paste. Didn't Ridley Scott? Did he do nine or fourteen ninety two? No, he didn't do that. Oh, who did that? Somebody terrible. Was that some movie I'm not going to see? Depardieu. Oh, that that one from like the nineties or yeah, 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 yeah. When Ger- Gerard Depardieu <laughs> yeah. was hot, yes. he was red hot. He was red hot. For... He could do no wrong for a little bit. Nope. And now he he had a green. He does green... all wrong. <laughs> That's all he does. <laughs> He did the movie Green Card. He did the movie My Father the Hero. Yes. With a young Catherine Heigl that. in it. I remember yeah. that. Wow. Taking me back. They should do a, a, a reboot, uh, or not a reboot, but a sequel of My Father the Hero starring Gerard Depardieu and Catherine Heigl, and everybody would not see it because those two people are hated in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would make that movie. Nope. No, nobody wants to deal nope. with uh, with either of them. Um, I don't I've know. always wanted them to make a movie of that uh that show, uh, what was it called? It was in the '90s, where the uh, the girl's dad was an alien, and she communed with him. She talked with him through this like oh, like octagon, this glass was octagon. It, was it a her. movie? It was a show. Oh, uh, it was Small Wonder. No, it was on around the same time as Small Wonder. I forgot what it was called. There were a lot of like far, far out. No, not far. Out. I used to watch this show. Oh my gosh! You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I can't remember what it and was. And it was called. a comedy. It was like a sitcom. Yeah, the, eight, of, the late eighties, early nineties were like were obsessed all, with portals. Yes, you realize that? Like, there's a lot of and like aliens. dimensions. Uh-huh. Yeah, and aliens like Alf, but yeah. but in the comedy realm. Yes, not in like they're gonna come and kill us, but like maybe they're lovable <laughs> and we can adopt them. Or the, that show uh, that I that I just mentioned that that small wonder show where mm-hmm. the, it's not aliens, but the dad um, builds a daughter. Yes, I remember Super that. Super creepy. Vicky. <laughs> yes and i remember hearing that um the boy it was uh um what's his name from smashing pumpkins oh billy, billy corgan? corgan that's what that was the rumor that, right that he was billy corgan that's like uh marilyn manson's paul from the wonder years yeah yeah, Kinda yeah. like the, the, remember the early oh we're not that far away from the beginning of the internet but like there were those that was an early internet rumor that mm-hmm. was one of those like yep you know, dial up on Prodigy to get that yep. rumor. Yeah. Like we gotta, we gotta squash this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is mom on the phone? Don't get, don't get on the phone, <laughs> mom. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk about. I, I'm. That's how we end the show. We talk about the early days of the internet. I want to ask you your yes. first, your first memory of the internet. But that's later. Okay. Let's not spoil later it. Later on. Later let's, on. Let's go back. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> you, you moved to Nashville fairly recently from California. About a year and a half ago. Oh, a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you this because it's something that I'm, I only ask people what I'm going through. I want okay. to <laughs> stuff about what I'm going through. No, but, uh, why don't you lay on the couch and I'll, oh, can we switch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's switch really quick. Do you, <laughs> do you, that's a, that's weirdly close to what we do here. <laughs> uh, uh, do you, um, 
So you moved here for music, essentially, correct? I moved, why don't you just tell me okay. why you're here? My wife why and I moved here? here to get out of town and to start something new. And was it was it L.A.? Was yeah, it? Yeah, we were in Orange County. Okay, yeah. Um, just like the O.C. We were yeah, it was uh, just like that. We were in Fullerton, California, which is about thirty miles southeast of L.A. And have you always been like California kid? Mm-hmm. You never okay. born and raised. Really? Yeah. Shadow of Disneyland. I was so a little bit different here, because well, first oh, off, it's raining different. right now. <laughs> well, and then we moved to Spring Hill, which has one main street yeah. called Main Street, which is very Disneyland to me. It is very like, but Disneyland with a lot of Captain D's and Hardee's and right gas stations. We still got to corporatize it. Yes, of course. We need gas stations because everybody will get like every time I've gone to Spring Hill, I'm like, I'm gonna run out of gas mm-hmm. getting there. Yes, because <laughs> yes. it it is a bit far reaching from yeah everyone calls proper. it like they think it's alabama but it's really not no that it's bad. not it's not that far it i can get from downtown to my driveway in 30 minutes well and going that's under. really not that bad <laughs> not, not really <laughs> when i go in my delorean that flies in the air <laughs> yes. uh but, the, but you uh <laughs> well you talked you talked about this uh, i think the first time we talked uh, we've already had this conversation mm-hmm. um we're re- re- reproducing it for the listening audience, but I mean, you, like you said, like living in LA, it uh-huh. takes thirty minutes to get anywhere anyway, so it's not that, at least that big of a deal. Yeah, I was just there like two weeks ago, and I can absolutely attest to that. I turned my Maddening. car off once on on the five freeway. Uh huh. Um, which, by the way, no one says freeway out here. I think no. that's a strictly Interstate. California thing. Interstate or highway? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I turned my car off on the freeway for twenty minutes. I think it was on Valentine's Day one one year. And it took me three hours to get from downtown L.A. to my house in Fullerton, which is 33 miles, I believe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Three hours to get 33 miles? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this isn't so bad. Yeah. No, it's not at all. That's that's insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to ask you because you are you uh, have moved to this new area I've of the country. To the How many people did you know here before one. you came? You knew one person. Well, I knew... I knew one person in the sense of I had hung out with them and talked with them before. Okay. And then I knew you of had, a So few you had a people. bunch of MySpace friends? Yes, I did. <laughs> Your top eight was here. Yes, so my like... top eight <laughs> had moved here. Um, no, I knew of a few people, um, and I had heard rumors of people moving here. But it was, yeah, it was really just one person Yeah. that I knew. Why would you move from... Someplace like California, which is in, or LA is an industry town, to like come here, which I, I mean I understand, but I want to know why. Um, like, I think honestly it was for uh, the adventure of it. Like, nice. My wife and I needed so badly to start something, like something on our else. own, and yeah. my old band at that time had had ended and all the projects that I had been working on were kind of up in the air. And so I there was nothing holding you there. There's nothing holding us there. Um, I mean, all of our families there and we missed them, but she was kind of just working whatever jobs. And we came out to visit a few times and just fell in love with it. I remember when we first flew into Nashville and I had been before on tour with the sure. band, but we flew in and she's looking out the window like a puppy looking out the window like and she turns to me and gives me this look and i just really knew, just landing i just knew that it was over 
a town without feeling, full of loveless crime. I raised the glass and I drank the wine. Grew numb to heartache, deaf, dumb, and blind. But I That seems like a, that's like an early twenties newlywed couple kind of thing to do. Yeah, and we were later twenties. So like that's really good to like. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. Whenever somebody sort of when couples especially make sort of like a bold. Mm-hmm. And we had no jump. idea what was going to happen. I still don't. But you I know, like, but you always have family, and you <laughs> yeah. always you, yeah. That's sort of the because uh-huh. I'm from Arkansas, and there was always sort of a thing in the back of my mind where I was like, you know what. There's always like the job at the Parks and Rec department, which is where yeah. I worked before. Okay, I ran in the show Parks and Recreation. I was April Ludgate. Oh no! <laughs> so way. I, I worked the desk and like just welcomed I people. And it's, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite sitcom. Maybe, maybe ever. And it, uh-huh. It's it hits on so many levels. And it's it started that show started when I worked at the Parks and Rec department. Oh, and like cool. my boss was was Ron Swanson, except <laughs> for way like way friendlier. Okay. And he but it could have been like a sitcom as far as like he was like the director and then my boss when I was essentially Leslie Nope, like the assistant director was the one that did everything. So it was realistic to you. It was super close. Wow. Um, there was yeah, I I really I'm I would love to write like just I could write stories upon stories about this you should, you should try so, and write episodes for them i would i would love that except i think they're it's over now <laughs> i mean i could talk tv shows forever i probably need a separate podcast just to talk tv and movies but i <clears throat> that's one of those shows like 30 rock was my favorite show forever mm-hmm. and even though my i have unabashed love for that show it dipped as far as like like quality was concerned it yeah. was just okay kind of mm-hmm. like ran on fumes for a while and then yeah. i feel like redeemed itself in the end the office was another way yeah another one of those where I was Arrested obsessed development with. Arrested Development was good. I have not seen the fourth season because I have not heard good things. I would wait. I, I would wait maybe until the movie comes out. Yeah. Cross your fingers if it comes or out. Or no, they're, they're doing another season. Oh, see, I'm Netflix, like... Netflix is releasing a new season of it. That's, that's season five. Maybe the bad thing about moving down to Spring Hill is I've completely disconnected <laughs> myself from from <laughs> pop culture. No, but there's a bunch of those shows, like like even shows that I love that I will admit that I'm watching it out of loyalty and not oh. out of like... Yeah. I can't get enough of the thing, and and I I will totally ab- totally abandon shows yeah. too if like, whatever. But like Parks and Rec is one of those where every season, 
there's a new gimmick and there's a new like they're she's running for you know office or whatever it is that mm-hmm. that it's so strong and it and okay it, but anyway so let's go back to right. sorry no the reason i ask you this i yeah. edit this so it's totally it's totally <laughs> good um uh it would be ridiculous if we just released an hour and a half episode of just random tangents but yes um no i ask you that because you moved to a new place mm-hmm. uh where you knew one person yeah how because this is something that I'm going through as well, and I want to know how you approach it. How do you make friends as an adult? Oh, I, I wish I knew. Um, other than other than randomly meeting them at a show and then tweeting at them to come over and help you set up <laughs> your new sound equipment. Um, I think maybe I could answer that by describing my failures as uh, Hit trying it. that. Um, I think the things not to do are to be pushy. Right. And so just normally say, Hey, I'm a musician. Like check out my record. I think that instantly yeah. as a 30 year old, it's a little bit. So, yeah. It comes off as reads, desperate. Yeah. It reads desperate and reads. Uh, I just want to use you. Yeah. That's another tough yeah. thing. I went through this like existential crisis, especially coming from LA. Cause people Ooh. just think, wait, 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 are you saying people in uh, LA are superficial? It's <laughs> the first I'm hearing of this. Yeah. No, but the industry in general is a bunch of relationships that are contingent on the fact that each other, like we can help each other out. Yeah. And, and I, I went through this sort of like existential crisis where I didn't want any of those relationships. I didn't want to hang out. I, I didn't want to like pursue a friendship with somebody because I, they're perceived as like cool mm-hmm. or their social status is, you know, and, and as, mm-hmm. and if I'm being honest, like I was like, there was like people that I'm like, I don't even really know them, but I, I know them. I know like show them, you know, I know yeah. them like, at shows and I know them, you know, I'll go to lunch with them and I hope people see that we're together. Like, oh, it's so gross. Yeah, it is. And, and, and cool I was like, I don't, so I don't want those overrated, but it, it is. And it's one of those things where we were talking about earlier in the kitchen uh, about like <laughs> you just, the older you get them, the like, you just don't have the, you don't really have, you can't really put up with bull crap. Yeah. And, st- you know, it's like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And so I, I'm trying to figure out like, cause usually you either make friends as an adult, you either have friends that you make, uh, from church mm-hmm. from, if you go to church and then, uh, from your job. Yeah. Uh, which we are essentially like, freelance people yeah and, so, then, and yeah. then and then uh like uh i've made really good friends with my dog there you go yeah. <laughs> or your animals yeah uh the humane society is good for that <laughs> or you or you make friends through that are like already grandfathered in through like college like, yeah i know a lot i have a lot of friends who, who are like oh we've known each other for 10 years like we have nicknames and like stories and i'm just like i don't know because i i didn't go to college first yeah. off yeah. and i didn't i don't i purposely don't keep up with anybody from high school because I try to get it. That's why I'm here and not living there. <laughs> um, so it's this really weird sort of thing where I was like, well, unless I'm making a record or going out and playing shows with people, like I don't hang out with anybody yeah. and I, I don't know what to do. I want to make friends, you know, in an earnest organic way. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. I think you got to be willing to give a lot more than I like. I think in your twenties, it's, more about being cool a little yeah. bit and more about just, Hey, they're fun. You know? Yeah. Fun is obviously part of it, but I value a lot more now, uh, just being real and just being right. able to like, I could have a great time just sitting and talking over coffee for two hours, you right. know, rather than having to 
go out and destroy the town, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a given. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like, anytime anybody asks me to go be a part of a thing that, <laughs> that starts after nine o'clock, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like going to bed. Like, like my, my best friend in life right now is, is eight hours of sleep. It's yes. the greatest. And I also realize that like, I don't have any friends that are like, not in entertainment in some sort of way, mm-hmm. which I think I'm like oddly become okay with. Yeah. That's just like, I just happen to be attracted to friendship wise, like to other people who are doing creative things. Yeah. I think that's all the time you, you kind of gravitate towards people that you can relate to. Yeah. And, and there's know. a shorthand like with yeah. other musicians, especially. Yeah. We can get there faster. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean me trying to be friends with a, you know, I don't know, like a contractor is going to, you know, we're going to have less, have less to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I'd like, I'm a, I love building stuff and I yeah. think that's cool, but yeah, you just, you gotta, you gotta find people that you relate to. So I think, yeah, I think that's it. I don't, I haven't completely cracked the code yet, yeah. so I'll have to get back to you. I'm just interested because I know yeah. that you, you just moved to a new place and everything and I'm, and I mean, I think it's slow. I think you have to make sure that your expectations aren't that I'm going to move to this new place and have a best friend in the next right. two weeks. I think we're sort of set up for failure in a bunch of ways coming yeah. up in the school systems and stuff where you're sort of like have a built in like for, in a couple different ways in the friendship capacity. We're built in like every year we're just going to either make new friends because we're in a mm-hmm. different class with people yeah. or you're in the same class. And so you can grow these friendships. Yeah. And you, it's sort of a given that they're there. Yeah. And when you're a kid, you don't know that you're going to get old and and not keep in touch with people. You think you're going to live forever. Yeah. And then also like in the way they like when you go from you have a, a, a thing that I struggle with was like you have a, a finite end date to when you are going on to the next thing in life like mm-hmm. the next grade yeah like coming in may you're either gonna f- pass or fail yeah that's you, true and so and that's not an, another thing that i was like waiting for in life was and i applied to the music industry for a long time when i started with somebody to come along and be like congratulations you've been doing you've been working hard enough now here is another thing that you can get yeah and it doesn't and that's not guaranteed nope you know nope Nothing in nothing in music is guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. You should know because you you were in this band Melee. Yes. That uh, because that's, that's how I knew you before we actually mm. ever, ever met, and it was one of those at CMJ retroactive. Yeah, I don't even. I think I can't even remember if we met at CMJ. This uh, is, and this is two thousand three. This is when mm. a lot of you who are listening to this were born. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I just a lot of eleven year olds. I have a, a huge contingent of eleven year old fans. <laughs> We listen to the podcast. Oh wow! <laughs> no, but uh, that was eleven years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm not trying not to feel old. Ouch. This conversation. Ouch. No, but like you were in this, you were in this band melee that had yeah. like this. I would say success. I would say that you guys had a good amount of success. Correct. Um, <laughs> how did how did that sort of? Can you give me like some sort of like a? How did you guys become the band and then become? The quick story, the quick y- yeah. story. Yeah, if there's like a Wikipedia version, because uh, a lot of people are interested in like origin stories. And, yeah, and they, they listen well, to this. And okay, we are we were the typical garage band, played in the garage. We had a bucket of tennis shoes with a tiki torch as the mic stand. I had <laughs> nice. a I had a an ironing board as my keyboard stand, with this old Technics like I love it digital keyboard that you could buy at Target at the time, and um, and we just loved playing music and wanted to start 
playing out and we played birthday parties and Halloween parties. And you How know, old are the, you at this point? Uh, this was 99. So I was, oh, great. Now I'm going to date myself. <laughs> Everybody does without they, uh, they know it or not. I was 18, 17 or 18. Oh, we're the same age then. Yeah. Okay. It's not, um, who cares? But so, so we just, you know, started playing out and played at our, the hometown venue, Chain Reaction in Anaheim, yeah. which is where all the like, all the bands went through. We would go and fly every weekend and just, you know, try and get on every show and sell, walk around the mall trying to sell tickets. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I used to do that too, yeah. So we just worked and we put everything into it and we had no other um, responsibilities other than, you know, school. And that's that's how bands stay together is you low. I realized this the other day, like bands break up when like responsibilities start piling. Yeah. And then like, you want to achieve other life goals. Mm -hmm. But when you're like, you know, late teens, early twenties, there's like nothing going on. Nothing at all. And we all had the same goal, which was great. We all had the goal of let's take this as far as we can. Yeah. So we did. So soft, see the glow from the city up ahead. Connect my heart to the rhythm, it's less straightforward. small but um we were practicing at this place called milano music and the uh manager of real big fish owned it and Love he had his office that. there so we would just practice in there and he would come in and kind of listen every once in a while and give wow. us some advice and uh and he at one point he came in and he's like you know you guys have improved a lot and uh here i want to give you this contact of this lawyer and so he gave us the contact of this lawyer named allison schwartz and she was awesome, and she kind of started shopping our EP around to some people. Wait, lawyers do that? Like entertainment lawyers? Yeah, she was in it. She, I guess she, she worked it. People. Yeah, she did. That was... Uh, and So she essentially was like a manager. She, yeah, essentially. Doing the job of yeah. like a manager. Um, I mean, we we kind of did all the booking and everything, but she was trying to get us signed, and we initially got turned down by Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. and no one wanted to sign us except Hopeless Records. Wow. And were you aware of them at the time? I really you know bands I, on the label? No, because I mean they were kind of out of my scope. You know, right. they had like 88 Fingers Louie and mm -hmm. um I think they had just signed Thrice at that moment. Yeah, that's all I know who they are. And were. I didn't really know Thrice other than earlier on in high school we played with them at this place called Coos Cafe and it was They were like, like a hardcore band. They were when they, they first started we played with them. We were a swing band and they were like a pop punk band with like like Blink-182 kind wait, of wait. pop punk. Melee was a swing band? No, it wasn't called Melee then. It was okay. called Super Murgatroyd. Okay, you're going to have to say that again. Super Murgatroyd. How do you spell Murgatroyd? I don't even remember. <laughs> I think we spelled it several different ways with a U and an E. I think was we there got a it from involved? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think we got it from the movie Swing Kids, which oh. was German, so that yeah. would have had an umlaut possibly. Yeah. Um 
And we just loved it. We loved the whole thing. But anyways, back to that. We got signed to Hopeless, put out a record, an EP with them, and then put out a record with them. Uh, went up to San Francisco to Tiny Telephone Studios to record it, and then did Warp Tour in 2004. Was that really big? As far as... I've heard really good things and then really it was terrible boot camp. things about... It was like jumping yeah, in the deep end right away. Uh, you really earn... You learn and you earn on that tour, you know? And you like, burn. And you burn. <laughs> because it's in the sun <laughs> and parking lots. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I slept on the ground outside. Ugh. I slept yeah. on the roof of the van. I slept in the trailer. Uh, sometimes we didn't sleep. So high quality sleep. High quality. Yes. <laughs> high quality. And the uh, the best thing is we were all really hydrated because they gave us warm Yoohoo to drink instead of water. So you know that oh. was really good for us. What, was that the name of the band after that? Warm you. <laughs> Warm you. <laughs> yeah. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, that's how. What, what was that? Uh, PCU. Uh, Everyone yeah. gets laid is the band name. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a, a early iteration of Mouse Rat. Like yes. One of their bands. Yes. Yes. Um, that's insane. So yeah, Warp Tour was tough, but it was awesome. I mean, now in retrospect, it was awesome. It's so funny because that was a thing that I wanted, like. Around that same time that you were doing that, like mm-hmm. I was in bands and there were there were sort of the wannabe like alternative press type bands or whatever, yeah. or like uh, so badly and and so I never went to Warp Tour, but I wanted so badly to be on like that bill. I would just open up like the magazine, and there would be like the, the band listing at Warp yeah. Tour, yeah. and just be like, I just want to be on this, and it was so glamorous and such like a you know, and yeah. then I've had friends since then who played it and they were just like in their like late twenties, mm-hmm. like, this is the worst thing. <laughs> it's sort of like a festival experience too. Yeah. I mean, it's a festival, yeah. but like even like going to Cornerstone and stuff like that mm-hmm. in its later days, it'd be like, this is awful. Like, I don't want to sleep on the ground. Like, nope. cause you early days, you will do anything oh, yeah. for your music. You're yep. like, we're doing it. You yep. know? Like, I mean, I remember sleeping on like the floors of like the sleeping on the stage after playing a yep. show yep. at a venue. We've done that. I like, slept in a stairwell. <laughs> Man, why are we doing this to ourselves? I don't know because we were just die hard. We were like absorbed into it. I love it. And now, like, I feel like it's so funny because our music, you probably feel the same way about your music. I'll speak for me. My music at the time wasn't good at all <laughs> and i was killing myself to get I'm it sure out there it wasn't oh that bad. it was terrible and and i was i was doing everything in my power and then now i don't i don't have like the constitution to to go and like mm-hmm. i used to get to sh- when i was on tour yeah. i would earlier in my in my career i would go five hours early before a show get into town and go to a mall go to a hot topic go to and just pass out flyers for the show i yeah. beat myself up mm-hmm. to get the word out for music that was pretty mediocre yeah. and then now like i believe in it more than ever and uh-huh. you, i wouldn't go to the mall here like you know yeah I it's think... so funny how that how that at some point like the venn diagram sort of like yeah you know widens i wonder if younger bands still do that kind of stuff or if the internet has made us lazy you think they do it's 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 that on top of that because I've seen yeah. the, the few times I've been in like uh, waiting for my oil to be changed and watched MTV, which mm-hmm. is the only time I'll ever watch MTV just because I don't have cable. <laughs> but I uh, there are shows that like yeah. little like docu shows or whatever that, that have their kids and like bands like who essentially could be from like 2004, wow. 2003. These little like punk bands with the swoopy haircuts uh-huh. still out there. Wow. And they're huge. We just don't hear about them because yeah. we, we have good taste. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, they're not in our scope. Sorry. Uh, but it, no, they're still doing it. They're still like, yeah, like getting to the ground. Cause I mean, the best way to get the word out is, is like physical contact, like handing somebody a thing yeah. and then like, 
uh, word of mouth. Like those are the two yeah. things that like you, yeah. c- you know, which is why it's really hard sometimes to get the word out about yeah, this a, stuff a to make Facebook it real. Facebook post is so easy to oh, it's scroll by immediate. It's, it's the shelf life is like three point, you know, zero point three seconds or something. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. And some and now like with Facebook is sometimes people won't even show up in your feed. Um, so like oh it's yeah, very I heard about that. Yeah, you know about yeah. That's why like a lot of times I'm like. I don't know. We can talk about the how ridiculous Facebook is. Like <laughs> whoever you like the most, their stuff will start coming up more, oh. and then other people's will go away. It's really dumb. So then you got to pay for it. Yeah. Right? Then, uh. Oh well, yeah. If you're a band, then you have to start paying for it. Yikes. But so, so how do you go from that to being like? Because you guys became big overseas. Yeah. So so what happened was in 2004, after Warp Tour or during Warp Tour, we started getting some interest from some major record labels. Um, uh, like Columbia and Wow Interscope and Island and Warner Brothers, and that's when they had money to. Yeah, it, <laughs> okay. We kind of we came in at the very tail end of the big record label era. Yeah, and so um, before they started doing three sixty deals, like we'd never even heard of that before yeah. at that point. Um, What's a three sixty deal for the uninitiated? A three sixty deal is where the record label takes a piece of everything. Instead of just traditionally, they take a piece of the, you know, the record sales. Right. Uh, and this, they take a piece of merch, a piece of touring, a piece of um, licensing, publishing, all that kind of stuff. So it's all inclusive. Yeah. Because they're scrambling, trying to figure out how to make money. Right. Um, and I don't even know if 360 deals are happening I don't anymore. So, man. Yeah. So I, I've like I've been out of the record label game for a while so i don't really know what they're doing now. congratulations thank you <laughs> um but so we you essentially landed with warner brothers right yeah we ended up with warner brothers okay. um and we went in made a record with them with uh, this guy howard benson mm-hmm. and uh, Wait, who else has he done he's done my chemical romance and uh, at the time he did my chemical romance uh all American Rejects. That's where I've seen his name. P.O.D. Yeah. Uh, Feel so alive. Yes, he did that. He did that record. <laughs> no um, way. So he... Yeah, he also did um, The Reason by Hoobastank. Oh, no. Yes. That song. The song that will never leave your brain. Never, ever, ever. You. Yes. Um, and at the time, <laughs> he was doing, simultaneously, he was doing uh, Reliant K's record and ours. But if you can't hold on, let it go and come back in your heart. And if you can't hold on, maybe it's not time for you. And if you can't hold on, on your very last try, I'll be there in the morning to pull you through.
you find like when you sort of sign the dotted line, like you have to be ready for compromise almost immediately? I think so. I think you have to be, you can't go into signing to a record label like that and think that you're going to have complete control over your stuff still. Because oh, that, that'd be so hard for me to give up. It, it's hard, but the if it's done right, and if you have a good team with you, the compromises can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for our purposes, they were the the only thing I would say is that I might have let them dictate our identity a little bit too much. Okay. Um, because we were super green, you know, we had just come off yeah. the warp tour and we're like, well, this is the best. And I wonder uh, if they want more. I can see the benefit of both. Like if, if they get somebody really green and they like, there is definite talent there, mm-hmm. but they can sort of like mold them into whatever band fits the slot that they need to fit on their label yeah. or whatever to fill this, like, you know, hopefully like money making slot yeah. uh, would be beneficial for them. Uh-huh. But on the flip side, if you get somebody who already knows who they are, like I feel like now people want to go more towards the like, oh, this guy is like or this this band is sort of more set as far as like they know what they're doing and we just want to elevate that. I feel yeah. like thankfully it's going more towards that, maybe. I think so. In, in, in certain yeah. I think they certainly want to, it's it's I think major labels now seem to want to do less work than they used to have to do. They want yeah. to do less development and more coming alongside and propping yeah. up. Yeah. You know? That's what I've gotten just from the few conversations I've had with people in the industry mm-hmm. as far as like, uh, as far as that goes, I guess. Yeah. Cause I, but I definitely, I mean, I've, I have friends, you know, and I'm sure you, you know people too, you know, just from touring and, and, and being friends with people in bands, like where they're like, man, they totally like, they made me hate my band because, <laughs> uh, this is not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. But before I knew it, you know, it was something else. Yeah. Four album deal later, I have yeah. I, we are this thing that we don't want to be necessarily, and yeah. I wonder about that with Reliant K. Going back to them, like I wonder, like, do they always want to? They, you know, like they've been a band for fifteen years now. Yeah. They, you know, I I wonder if like you know Capital or whoever they're signed to now, like, would allow them to not be a pop punk band anymore. I don't honestly, they might love it, and I don't know, and I'm just making a judgment call. I think, I mean, I've I've hung out with Matt a few times, and. I think he yeah speak for him. <laughs> I, I can't speak for him, but I mean, it seems like seems like he's he he's got pretty good control and yeah, and I think so too. Direction over that, and I mean, he's a great songwriter, so that's true. And I mean, he writes for other artists too. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think yeah. there is. But I was just wondering with that, like, um, I've just sort of recently stumbled upon uh, Mike Herrera from from MXPX. Oh yeah, on Instagram, uh-huh. and, he, and I didn't even know MXPX was still man. Gone. Life in general so good life-changing yeah and uh slowly going the way of the buffalo like mm-hmm. made me fall in love with like pop punk like yeah um but it, it i i they're still doing it and like bringing out crowds and yep and clearly like he loves it but it's just one of those things i always wonder the the freedom that i have sort of is an indie mm-hmm. and i am i'm a relative unknown mm-hmm. as far as like the industry is concerned but i have i do have like a fan base so yeah. who who is the best kind of fan base because they didn't hear about me because I'm on like an Abercrombie and Fitch ad yeah. or like a TV show they like. <laughs> Although you could be. I could be. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I have the looks. Yes, um, you do. I, <laughs> I look great with my shirt off. I'm just, <laughs> but uh, I go to the mall sometimes and just stand outside the front <laughs> and they're like, sir, you have to leave. Um, I'm not even at Abercrombie and Fitch. I'm at the food court. Oh. Um, anyway, so they... <laughs> they but Panda I, Express model? But I... <laughs> You know what? I have the belly for it. So <laughs> no. I have a Buddha belly. Uh, oh, but man. we, 
I, I, I do have this sort of, I'm in this beneficial situ- situation where if I want to tomorrow put out like whatever artistic expression type album mm-hmm. I want to put out, can I can put it. it out. And the people who love my music will follow me there because they're yeah. the, they're the best kinds of fans mm-hmm. and they're not the kind of superficial they got into me because I was one way and I must stay that way forever. Yeah. So I, I wonder what it's like to come in, especially th- like if you're just desperate for a deal and you got it. And then later you sort of realize that maybe, you know, you the, gave up may- too much. Maybe Oz isn't so magical after all. And uh-huh. you, you sort of, you, you want to grow as a musician. Cause I, I've heard the story over and over again, even from people who've been on this podcast who are just sort of like, yeah, I, I had a, I, I have plans. <laughs> yeah. I have like things that I want to do. And then they kind of fall out of love. They go do, you know, they go teach for five years mm-hmm. and then they come back and they're making music again. Kind of, they fall in love with it again. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. Cause you, you know, I'm, I'm always glad when they do come back with there. I'm sure there are so many stories of people who just sort of like get burnt out. Great yeah. artists. It's really hard to not get bitter and jaded. I think. Yeah. After going through that whole process and going through the, the machine, I guess, if you will. But well, and after having the machine yeah. on your side, mm-hmm. the effort that you realize afterwards that you have to put forth. We've had this conversation. Like, where do you even start? It's very overwhelming. Oh yeah, it's a it's a big mountain to climb. So, in, in especially the older you get, the more you're just sort of like, I just want to hang out with my wife and watch Netflix. Like, mm-hmm. then you have to go do this thing, push yeah. it forward, not yeah. knowing if anybody's gonna hear it. Taking that chance at like 32 instead of 22 is sort of you, you know, don't have as much time, and you don't have yeah. as much. Uh, Especially as a solo artist, uh, in a band, you have three other guys. Whoa, let me turn that off. How dare you? How dare I? You have three other guys to do work as well. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, so you can't go flyer this show, but they can. You know, one of them can. Or right. you can't, uh, you know, go record this today, but they can. Or, you know, although sometimes in a band, it ends up being one guy anyways that does most of it. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, <laughs> depending on what the band is. Yeah, depending on the band. But um, for us, kind of kind of back to the, the story, like we ended up um, making that record with Howard Benson. And on the day it was supposed to come out in the States, it was 2006. I think it was April 2006. I went to every Best Buy in... Orange County uh-huh. to go find the record and I could not find it anywhere. So And it came out on a major label. On a major label and I could not find the record oh and gosh. the employees had no idea what I was talking about. They couldn't even find it in the system. Um, oh. So I called the A&R guy, called my manager. What's going on? Where's the record? This is embarrassing. My mom wants to buy a copy and she can't buy a copy. Uh, come to find out the international and domestic departments of Warner Brothers International was subjected to the basement dungeon, they called it. And uh, so they didn't talk. There was hardly any hmm. cross-communication. I'm sure it's different now. But at that time, it was very much separate entities. So the way I remember the story is that one of the, either the head or the buyer of Sutaya Records in Japan, which is a big record store chain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still in existence. Um, he had heard the record, liked it, and ordered 6,000 copies. And they had only initially pressed 10,000 copies. So on the Whoa. release day, there were 4,000 copies for the entire U.S. Hence why they weren't in any stores in Orange County. But you would think in L.A. You would think they would <laughs> prioritize that, but... 
They're also a major record. But they were so there were six thousand copies in Japan though. Yeah. So they shipped six thousand over there and he sold them all in the store. I don't even think we had radio play yet at that point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, so all of this is like this isn't any effort of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all behind the scenes before we even knew it. And so we scrambled to kind of get over there. The Japanese department started talking um and got us over there we started doing radio promo and before we knew it the song went to number one in japan in japan <laughs> yeah and then from there kind of ping-ponged across asia into europe and it went to number one in holland yeah i saw that I yeah looked, I, I looked it up on uh on wikipedia <laughs> earlier it was weird it's insane to watch the numbers like mm-hmm. i was like man you guys were like pretty big everywhere but here <laughs> everywhere but here yeah yeah so that that launched a season of about three years that was the high point of my career. That was just bonkers. What's the largest crowd you played for in Japan? Uh, okay, Japan, the largest crowd was about 10,000. Jeez. Um, that was at Fuji Rock Festival. Oh, my gosh. And anywhere in the world, the largest yeah. crowd was... We played... Uh, I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's Koninidag. It's Sounds good. Queen's Day. Uh-huh. It's a, um, a Queen's Day festival in Amsterdam in, uh, uh, what's the square called? It's where the Rijksmuseum is, where all the Van Gogh stuff is. Okay. Uh, Museum Plain. That's what they call it. And it's okay. this huge square, like, you know, you would picture, like, red square looking right, like. Right, right. But less communist. <laughs> <laughs> and not, not, you know. Like, uh, Tian- what was it, Tiananmen? That's yeah, what? but yeah. just these one of these big European squares that has museums right. all all around it. And uh, so they had this big radio festival, and we got to play three songs for 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. All wearing 100. orange and purple. Yeah. Why orange and purple? Because that's the color, the royal oh, okay. colors. 100,000 people? Yeah. How do you... I don't know. And the thing is, I wore the wrong shoes that day. I wore these like beetle boots that are really slippery uh-huh. and it rained and they had one of those oh, long no. like platform catwalk stages, things. catwalks. And I, so I was like, started to slip on it. I'm like, I'm not going to try and walk out there. I really wish I would have had yeah. Nikes on so I could have just ran out there. And, yeah. But yeah. Did you bad, ever, you ever bad just fashion like, choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, the next half of the podcast is going to be talking about your fashion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that you, could so, go do you, ever, do you ever just like, Falling asleep and I think like I just I played for a hundred thousand people once or just driving your car like like I haven't thought about it in a while. Like, that's insane. Because I'm so far removed from it now. Right, I guess it just so. seems like another life. Seems yeah. like so long. Do you compartmentalize ago. that stuff or a little bit and probably to my <laughs> mental health detriment a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but sometimes you have to. Yeah. Like, you just have to be like, I can't focus on that. Cause you you can either become super bitter, like Yeah. I'm playing for 50 people at this at the basement. Uh-huh. I play for a hundred thousand and you know, yeah, I haven't, like, I, okay, chill I out, have dude. to, I have to like, yeah, I have to keep my expectations realistic. Yeah. Cause here I am now in a new town that right. I don't know, you know, I don't know very many people still, but so I can't expect to come in and be like, Hey, you guys should know who Remember I am. Remember me? <laughs> nope. Uh, me
looking at my phone and you tweeted something. Oh. I, I just tweeted. Oh. I started. Wait, you there? Yeah. Okay. I tweeted. Yeah, this I have about two. Another... I, I have two Twitter handles. One. You are super confusing me. I know. One called or one at the underscore cron. Yeah. That I had for a long time, and then I couldn't remember the password, <laughs> so I started a new one called Chris Cron Music, and then I found the. You found the other one. The other so one, and that cron. one had more followers. Yeah, it makes so I was sense. like, I'll go back to at the cron. So at Chris Cron Music, I need to just oh, delete. Oh shoot! Well, it's I okay. Just, I feel like I screwed this up. I feel it's like a- I, I should know. No, because we no, no, no. no. I should have told but you. But your Instagram is Chris Cron Music. Yeah. See, so I'm confusing everyone. <laughs> Listen, I like to keep people let's, on their toes. Let's have a discussion about. I how like to make to it use... as hard as possible for me to be <laughs> successful. <laughs> a lot of people in town do. That's very. Uh, yeah. No, I, I've had yeah. I've had talks with people with friends before. I'm like, listen. First things first, it's hard to find you in anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I was just curious because I asked people to, to tweet questions and I wanted to know if anybody had any. Uh, but I, I tweeted it too late. Like, I always, I'm supposed oh, to do it. okay. No, I'm sorry. But I don't need it because we know each other. There's a lot of times where I'm like, I might need, I don't, some, I don't, some briefing. No, I can talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. I feel I like, have no problem talking. I feel like you have no talking problem to people. with that. Uh, Which is a compliment. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I, well, that's one reason why I wanted to start a podcast. I was like, I talk way too much. That's when, great. When I when I go to coffee or whatever, uh-huh. you know, hang out with co-writes. Usually, like when I co-write people, the first hour is just me talking. Well, not me. Well, <laughs> you talking? It's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thirty minutes is like, well, why don't we go home and work on this separately? This idea. Because uh, <laughs> I'd much rather write by myself for some reason. Uh-huh. But um, and co-writing is is like a certain skill. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing that a little bit since you've moved here, right? I have. I've, actually, the last Melee record we did that only came out in Japan, we did a lot of co-writing for, and we actually um, kind of instigated that. Oh, really? We just we came home from touring, and we started writing some songs and just felt like, you know, we need to get out of our element a little bit and started finding some co-writers, and we did, ended up writing with like 17 different people. How was it? Obviously, we didn't put that many songs on the record. Yeah. Um, it was a really big learning experience. Yeah. It was great. And we made some friends with some people and wrote some great songs and learned a lot about crafting. Because you always learn. Every time you work with someone, you learn something new. Because uh, everybody has their different ways of approaching. Yeah. And some of them, you know, were kind of rubbing a little and weren't working out. And others just were so easy and so great. It's always an adjustment. You're trying to, I'm always, I feel like the first like 15, 20 minutes is just trying to get a, get a sense of yeah. who's, like, who's this dude kind of, there's like yeah. this kind of feeling like, like even if you don't like their personality, it's, it's all about the way like you jive with, with yes. them. And yes. And even, even if you don't really jive personally with them, mm-hmm. putting that aside and being like, well, we have a common task to, to, you know, try to commandeer and, and steer yeah. towards something good. Yeah. It's a big lesson in professionalism. Absolutely. For and sure. And, uh, and focusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy when you get along with someone to not write a song. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super easy. <laughs> Which is why this podcast started. Cause I was like, I'd yeah. rather just have a conversation yeah. with an art, with another songwriter, another creative person mm-hmm. and the goal just be the conversation yeah then it'd be like yeah. oh shoot we have this pressure we have to write this song yeah or, uh we have to at the end of it have a tour booked or you know have, <laughs> have a routing planned yeah. or whatever the thing is like i'd rather just sit down and like, like 401k for my family <laughs> yeah 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 a lot of 401k yeah. talk uh <laughs> but no it's it's 
it's definitely its own animal. So I don't. I, mm-hmm. I've I thought more people would have podcasts now, but apparently, like I like to talk way more than the common musician does. I so it's okay. I'm turning it into, into content, so it's okay, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. I wanna we we gotta wrap up a little bit. Yeah. This has been flying by. It's crazy. Dude, it's right? awesome. Yeah. But it's okay because uh, nobody tells me how to run this thing. <laughs> so we could do another episode next week, and there's nothing people could do about it. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. We're gonna do a lightning round questions. Woo. So we're going to end this on a, on a light note. I'm, I have a bunch of questions I'm going to shoot at you. Okay. And uh, you can answer them to the best of your ability. Okay. So if, you can choose to overthink it, but it's best if you just sort of free associate. Okay. Um, what, uh, have you ever had a favorite number? No. Good. <laughs> I think that's weird, right? I was thinking about the other day, like, like um, it, it's weird for adults to have like to hold on to numbers or like favorite colors or I, something. Do you have a favorite color? Is it uh, black? Green. Or you're wearing all black. I, right I do wear all black. <laughs> I feel more comfortable in black and yeah. gray. Yeah. For some reason, gray is a comfortable Crazy. color. Maybe yeah. that's just you're the, a communist. The, em- the emo in me <laughs> or something. Yeah. But I, I don't have a favorite number, but I do have a favorite song about numbers. Which is? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven twelve. twelve. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yes. I think that... Feist should do a mashup of her song one two three four with right, that song. Right, she did do a song. She did do a song on uh, Sesame Street where she sang one two three four. Ah, oh, that's and she just counted brilliant. like four chickens and four uh, random okay. things. Yeah, super good video. And it's a, it's a it's a music video mm-hmm. which is like sort of uh, it's a parody of her actual music video. For uh, so there's a lot of dancing and swirling. I got to see that. It's super good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, what's the last thing you googled on your phone? Uh, <laughs> directions to your house. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, I, lo- I love Google Google search history because I go through my own and I'm like, oh no, I googled the church that I went to last night to check it out. Oh, see gotta, if it's give legit. me something better than that. Um, I googled. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Man. I'll share mine too. Okay, you, you, you whatever you can share. I want I want to hear what do you share. <laughs> okay. Um, I googled the Franklin Theater to see what they were playing. Oh, that's a good one. I googled the zoo. Nice. And I googled um, how Amendment Two would affect the judicial selection. Look at you, yes, Mister Political Adult. <laughs> I have to Google that stuff all the time. Very right? boring stuff. Yeah, I know, Sorry, it's pretty boring. I googled Doves the band because we were just talking yes. about them. Uh, Plank Eye Singer, which you were talking yep. about, and uh, the lyrics to "I Can Only Imagine." I can only uh, imagine. <laughs> because I'm I'm doing a I'm uh, DJing a wedding this weekend, mm-hmm. and I asked the bride this morning what she wanted. I texted her. I was like, "What do you? What song do you want to come in when I introduce you guys mm-hmm. at the reception?" She said, "I can only imagine." It was a joke, but I wanted to reply with lyrics from the song, and so have you have you ever done the like Wikipedia searches where you end up way far away from where you ended that's where you started? Ev- that's every time I Wikipedia. Yeah, you're like you're you're like Wikipediaing like how Walt Disney got his start, and you yeah. end up on like some like. <laughs> I don't know, Satanist like <laughs> thing, like because Walt Disney was a Satanist. Yeah, yeah, the, clearly. Like, how do, how does the goat figure into the you know why? Satanic because people imagery? started like a lot of that is like if I look up like Walt Disney, there are a lot of like there's one section that's like Walt Disney like conspiracy theories. Yeah, and once you start clicking that, oh, it's all over. Sometimes like a lot, it's a lot of times when I'm in the in the van with like a group of guys on tour, uh-huh. there will be a lot of conspiracy theory talk for some reason, mm-hmm. and that's when the rabbit holes. You know, oh, they they become vast. That stuff's so fun. It's so easy to go down. <laughs> I do the same thing with YouTube stuff because they yeah. because they give you ten videos yep. on the side that are mm-hmm. sort of like that. Yep. So I was looking at a deleted scene from a movie, 
that isn't on the DVD or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, 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 then there was like all these like late night with Conan O'Brien interviews from the time they were promoting that movie. Oh, okay. And so it was like, and then I get sucked into like late, best late night Conan O'Brien bits. Like it just goes. <laughs> and then you end up on what happens when you put Mentos in a Coke bottle. <laughs> Well, we all know what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I just watch all the OK Go music videos where they do weird stuff. Awesome. Um, the, well, who was your first celebrity crush as a kid or teenager? Oh, oh uh, Jennifer Connelly in The Rocketeer. Oh, so good. I was like 11 and, and I knew I wanted to marry her. <laughs> Did that. OK, she had a resurgence in like the mid 2000s. With Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream and Cinderella Man and uh, the uh, most beautiful mind. Oh, beautiful mind. Yeah. Were you. I was on board with those movies, even though I don't like them now mm-hmm. uh, for, I think there are a few of those were over serious and yeah. like trying to pull your, our emotional heartstrings, <laughs> uh, especially a beautiful mind I have problems with, but yeah. I watched the crap out of them because of my affection for Jennifer Connelly when I was a kid wow. from the Rocketeer yeah. from what's, uh, is it uh, the dark crystal? Um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. I always yeah. get those confused. Yeah. Same thing where I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I've only seen Beautiful Mind. I haven't seen the other two. And wasn't she in some like cabin or lake house or? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> cabin in the woods or something? Or something with fog. Something dumb. <laughs> some yeah. movie with her making scared faces in fog. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think about this because we did a couple episodes ago. Um, uh, we did a slumber party episode where we just asked these types of questions, mm-hmm. uh, or I did. I say we, um, but uh, and I, I couldn't think of who my first celebrity crush was. I honestly think it was Natalie Portman. Okay, but when she was a kid, she was in a movie called Beautiful Girls. She was in The Professional. I was gonna say with but the, with I that James Renault or John Jean, Jean, Jean Renault. Renault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I didn't see that movie because it was it was rated R. But I saw this <laughs> movie called Beautiful Girls, which is also rated R. For some reason, it was on it was on like, yeah. you know, Sunday afternoon movie or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's and like Rosie O'Donnell's in it. Uh, huh, Matt Dillon's it. in it. It's a total like I was like eleven <laughs> watching this movie about like people out of coming out of college and trying to figure out what they're gonna do with their lives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't relate to this at all but there's an 11 year old girl in it and it's natalie portman and she plays like the neighbor of the lead character and she's like really wise beyond her years and uh-huh. sage and man i was in love with her in that movie but uh-huh. and then that carried on because clearly she didn't degrade in looks and age at all not at all um, <laughs> but I, I think that's mine because like 11 that's sort of around the age right. you start realizing like what a crush is or whatever what's but. this strange feeling <laughs> exactly well it might happen earlier in that you know, I don't know. uh okay uh what do you associate with the name Keith? Uh, my uncle. Uncle Keith? Uncle Keith. That's my uncle best. Keith is a awesome blues singer uh-huh. and harmonica player and percussionist. Really? Yes. Where does he live? He lives in Bakersfield, California. Shout out Uncle Keith. Shout out to Uncle Keith. That's amazing. I'm going to have to tell him to listen to this now. You should. He gets, he gets a <laughs> shout out. Keith is my current current favorite name for a dude. Uh-huh. For a long time, it was Kenny, but that guy kind of... you know. Wait, he, like... Just, just like to say, fun name. Like, yeah, just okay. not even poking fun, but just to say, like, uh, <laughs> when you're just randomly saying a guy's name, I was like, yeah, his name's probably Keith or something. <laughs> like, Steve, because it's a name that sort of got that got dropped. Yeah, it was like a. I grew up with so many Keiths. There were like two yeah. or three Keiths in my oh, okay. school, and then it was just it was it was like Kevin. There's a bunch of names yeah. that sort of like went went together like in the late 80s early 90s yeah and now you don't see a lot of baby keiths no you don't it's gonna come back around i think it will my my wife and i do a lot of uh 
Like we name our GPSs different things. <laughs> uh-huh, like uh-huh. Carol is one. Shut up, Carol. Because Carol, Car- she's just like kind of angry. And it's good. It's a good turn person. left here. Carol, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, it's up. it's a good name to that, that's like. It's got the k- to get yeah, yeah. It's a good one to get mad at. Yeah. Like Kenny was that forever. Like Kenny's just a. Kenny has up. the. K- it's like come on. And Kenny. So does Keith. Yeah, it does. Maybe we Maybe found it's a the k- sound. It is because at Carl. The, the end of the f word has yeah. a k in it, ah. and it's a really fun one to get yes. mad at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, we always end the episode with. Uh, uh, I want to hear two things. You can tell me in whatever or whatever order comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I want to hear a bad show story. Or a bad, you, you sort of gave me a, a, a little bit of a glimpse with almost falling on stage in front of 100,000 people. But I want to hear if you have like a bad show story as far as it can be something that's your fault. It could be something I've had people telling me stories about them falling off the stage or the sound system screwing up. I'm, I'm assuming by your, okay. your posture that you already have one cocked and yes, loaded. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, just tell me that then. Bad show story. So we had a show at the House of Blues Anaheim with something corporate and we were super excited because it was going to be yeah. sold out uh and we had talked about it and talked about what we were going to do planning out like what we were going to say in between songs yeah. and, like this is going to be foolproof we're going to have the best show ever right <laughs> oh no and i had talked about how all right they're a drive-through records band there's going to be pop punk kids yeah. there moshing and we're going to get it they're going to get it i'm going to jump off the stage no and so wait did you discuss jumping off the stage beforehand yes <laughs> see <laughs> This was a time long ago in the dark ages. Oh, man. I wish I knew little Chris oh, back gosh. then. <laughs> Tell me no. Little Chris. Stop. No, it's like, keep doing it. I just oh. want to witness it. <laughs> well, I did. It happened. Um, no. On the very last song, I was, I kind of chickened out at first. And then the very last second, everyone, you know, the band's doing the like build out kind of yep, thing. Yep. And I dropped my guitar, turned around and booked it. As I'm in midair flying out over the crowd, I look up and I see, or look down and I see these like 13 year old girls staring up at me like, ah, and they kind of like, we're all equipped for this. ways a little bit. And I ended up kicking a girl right in the head and hitting the ground. And it was awful. I'm just imagining Chris Farley and Black Sheep. Yes. When he jumps. Exactly. (laughs) It was like that, but more embarrassing Oh, because it was me. (laughs) <laughs> because it happened in real but life. I, I kicked the girl in the head, and the the staff at House of Blues got pissed, and they told well, me, "Yeah, paying if you customer. ever do that again, you're never playing House of Blues ever again. Any House of Blues ever what? again? Yeah. Well, Clearly it's also that's happened before. It was also the Disney House of Blues. Oh, okay. So it's very much more controlled. Yeah. It ended up that the girl came back uh, at the end of the show with an ice pack on her forehead. And she's like, that was great. Speaking oh. through her braces, you know. I, I loved your show so much. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's true. People just want a souvenir to take away from a they show. They do. And I gave be, her Be it one. a t-shirt or a CD yeah. or, a, or a busted tooth. Yeah, a busted head. Yeah. They want something. Yeah. To yeah. And it was like black and blue right here oh, on the forehead. Oh, no. yeah. How terrible did you feel? Uh, so awful. Like for the, oh. the next month, I was like cringing thinking about it. Yeah. That's happened to me before where I've only, I usually do that with words where I'll say, <laughs> so, I'll try to be funny and I'll say something without knowing who I'm speaking to. Oh. So I made like somewhat inappropriate comments about a girl that in the in the crowd that ended up being like 13 oh no and not like inappropriate like i said anything like they would get me in trouble with the law <laughs> I, I remember I saying i remember like somebody i said it i said something a joke that didn't land and then uh-huh. she spit out from the dark because you can't see anything mm-hmm. like she spit out like sort of a want want type of joke like like 
she acknowledged that the joke didn't land uh, and everybody laughed. And I was like, you're the type of girl I need to marry uh, because you keep me on my toes kind of thing. And then, and then her brother was standing next to her and said, she's 13. Oh, and, I, and, then every, and then it's one of those things that I could have just been like, well, here we go next song. But the crowd just loved it so much. Uh, and then every time I thought about it for the next like week, I was just like, Oh, uh, and people won't let you forget that. it. No, nope, like, they will not. Thank goodness. The social media wasn't what it was oh, at the time. Right? People would have been tweeting at that at me. I was just like, Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, and mo-, and I couldn't recover. I it was just like in between every song when I tried to talk, people just started laughing again. Yeah. And I was like, cut the song, cut the set short and got out of yeah, it. Yeah. Please get talk. me out of here. Okay. And then I also want to know your first memory of the internet because of this, what we were talking about earlier, the internet has not been around that long, but it has been around long enough to where it changes rapidly from year to year. Uh-huh. So like something you could talk about, like in 99 or 2000, which wasn't that long ago, but technology wise, it might as well have been a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my very first uh, memory of the internet was in fifth grade. In, oh, wow. Going way back. Science or no, in uh computer lab, we were, they were teaching us how to do logo writer, which was like a, do you oh, remember logo I writer? I remember that. Yeah. It was like a really early, like, programming program game kind of thing where you could like type in code and make a little helicopter that would shoot out oh, darts. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was that on the internet though? No, that, that, that wasn't on the internet. That was on the program. Okay. But, but so it was like an Apple two E yes. and they had just installed prodigy on it. Game I think <laughs> you could do, I think it was prodigy on, on that, or maybe it was sixth grade. It was, I know it was elementary school and I remember distinctly, hearing the noise and seeing that yellow star yep, and yep. hearing, yeah. And it was a black screen, still very DOS based, like yeah. no, uh, no OS, you know, no. No, no operating system. It was crazy. And then my actual first hands-on experience with it was my dad brought home a computer um, and installed AOL on it. And so you'd have to log in. hundred free hours. Oh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, like you said earlier, my mom would pick up the phone and ruin my, <laughs> my session, but yep. I would just get on chat rooms and ASL age, sex location. I know. Isn't that insane? It's so weird. And so creepy now that I think about it. You know, I, there is somebody that follows me on Twitter now who I met in a five iron frenzy chat room. Wow. In 99. Wow. And it was one of those random things where we, is she was a girl from Oregon uh-huh. and we were about the same age. I think she was a little younger than me, but we, but we like, it was a totally platonic friendship mm-hmm. and just kind of turned into this, like where we started emailing each other and then it fell off. And then like, I, I guess I randomly came up on her radar again in some kind of weird way or my name didn't, she mm-hmm. typed it into, it's one of those things like that. I think we all went through when sort of like mm-hmm. you could search people's names yeah. in like MySpace or Facebook. Yeah. Like where I found an old, like a couple of years ago, like an old class photo from like sixth grade mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, I remember these kids and started typing in their name. Yeah. Uh, Cause I moved after I moved to like to Arkansas. Okay. Like mid, mid like grade school. Yeah. So it was like people that I remember memories with, but we never kept in touch. Okay. But it was one of those weird things. Where I think she just typed that in and found me and was just yeah. like, got into my music now and she's like wow. married with kids. And so it's just this crazy sort of like, like how many, I wonder mm-hmm. how many of those yeah. like relationships people have. And like, you know, there's that show catfish where that, where they sort of like dive into like 
relationships online, but you don't know who the other person is necessarily. You never yeah. met. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen that show. I, I've heard it's of it. mildly yeah. addicting. Okay. But I would, I want a show like that, but the, it, it reunites old, like, <laughs> like we were both 12 and on, you know, yeah, on, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. this random, like uh-huh. we both loved this random band or whatever, like, you know, yeah. reuniting now. It could just be awkward. Uh-huh. Actually. Like I Same don't poop jokes. So you still, uh, we used to, <laughs> I, I don't know why. Maybe it was because it was super slow dial up, but we used to, um, or I used to find people in chat rooms that we would, you know, make friends with. And then we would get each other's physical addresses and snail mail, be pen pals. Oh, wow. So it was still very much the mentality was, if you want to keep in touch, you write them a letter. Yeah. You know? That's so crazy. Yeah. Now you just write an email. Which is really funny. That's, that's almost sort of, that's just going backwards. Like, yeah, we could just keep doing this. Yeah. Or, or we could go, we could get Pony Express to deliver to deliver a package six. I just months got a later. bunch of pigeons. I'll, yeah. I'll send them. <laughs> I'll send them in the air. Yeah. Hope that, cross your fingers. <laughs> oh my gosh! Ride through Indian territory to get. <laughs> hey, it's Native American. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. All right, Columbus. Let's, yeah. uh, let's dial it back. A Full little circle. Bit with that. I know, we, we did just it. Arrested development. In that yeah. I know we did it. And awesome. that's why you always leave a note. Yes. Uh, well, thanks for coming <laughs> no on. No problem. And, uh, you have a uh, you have a music new music coming out at some I point. I do. Right? I have a song called "I'll Stand" that is being mixed this week, and that's I exciting. plan on putting it out very soon. In yeah. The next do you know when? Week or two. Okay. Um, I haven't completely decided. I'm. I think part of me saying oh, the next week or two is to push myself. Like, yeah. oh, it's okay, on now record I have a deadline. Now. Yeah, it's on record. Um, There's at least 200 people that are going to listen to this. Yes, <laughs> at least. Um, and uh, and then I have a bunch of other material I'm recording. Try and put out an EP early next year. Yeah. And I have a show at the Rutledge on the 11th with really? you. What? Yeah. Wait, did I know about this? I think you did. Okay. Yeah. If any, Nick Flora, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if this is going to come out before the 11th because that's well. If it's not. This show happened already. It was great. It. Yeah. I can't believe you jumped off the stage again. Wow, I can't believe I did. Did you not learn your lesson? <laughs> you kicked me in the head. I can't believe you spit fire. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's actually my true passion. And I've been waiting for a show for years. Swallowing swords. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I've been doing it in my basement. Who should just make it an old vaude- vaudeville show? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yes. And horrific at the same time. It would be like that uh, American History... No, that's not what. What is it called? American Horror Story. American Horror Story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we ended on Yikes. that. Note. Anyway. Uh, no. Thanks for for coming on. No problem. Thanks for hanging out with me on, on Mike. I had a blast. And that does it for episode eighty-five. If you'd like to check out uh, more of Chris Cron's music, you can do so at chriscron.com. Hey, that rhymes. Or at the underscore Cron on Twitter. Don't make the same mistake I did. Or at Chris Cron Music on Instagram. Um, and also, you can go to whoridespod.com and click on the link uh, to listen and download his song, I'll Stand, for free. And trust me, people, just go do it. It's so good. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at whoridespod plus facebook.com slash whoridesthisstuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. For episode 85 and Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Now go do something creative. Creative.